Welcome to The Last American Vagabond. Today, I chose to wear my Truth Matters shirt for a reason, because we're going to discuss why truth is so important today and the sacrifices that it often entails. That we People that decide to act solely in the interest of truth or for in the interest of other people, it, it tends to be there tends to be consequences for it. I think a lot of people today are running headlong into that. And so I decided to invite today onto the show, Dr. Ahmed Malik to discuss exactly that, how during the process of the COVID-19 illusion, he decided to act in the interest of the truth, act in the interest of other people and paid the penalty for that. Like many did during this massive illusion that we've all been forced to go through, which by the way, is not going away. And so the discussion today is around his story, what he sacrificed and what he's now leaning into because of that, which is, in my opinion, really in the interest of, of the truth and, and people's information around the, around the lies we're being sold, but also how we need to continue to push in this direction, because if we do not continue to, to fight for these things, they will bring this right back around as we're all seeing. So Dr. Malik, it's an honor to have you on the show. How are you today, brother? I'm great. I'm great. It's Ahmed Malik, but all your Americans love. Oh, I'm Ahmed sorry. My, my my first time I've said it out loud in front of you. So there you go. <laughs> uh, I just need to say, by the way, your intro's epic. Oh, smoke burning singer. I love it. I love it. Really nice. I'm very jealous. We'll make up for me um, mispronouncing your name. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, it's great. And um, you know, it's it's a really nice introduction. Thank you so much. And uh, you know, I'm just looking at you, and you know, truth matters. 100% and the next thing you know on your laptop question everything and I'm always telling people that question everything so quick introduction to some of your listeners <clears throat> I'm an orthopedic consultant I've been a doctor for 25 years apparently I look quite young I'm actually 48 um so I became a doctor when I was 23 so some of you may know about Doogie Hauser. you know I was like a Doogie Hauser when I was a little kid um so yeah 25 years as a doctor orthopedic surgeon you know, it's, it's not easy becoming a consultant orthopedic surgeon. You know, there's 250 people in my med school year, you know, maybe three will become consultant surgeons like me. Um, so, you know, there's a lot of competition. It was hard won. Um, and I was living a very kind of like orthodox, typical surgeon life, just working in the state system, which is here in the UK, the NHS, doing a little bit of private practice. And it was basically back in 2016, 17, when my dad had terminal cancer, I kind of like reevaluated everything. He he was actually sitting on the sofa at home right now, you know, where I live. He was sitting there, you know, five years ago, <clears throat> six years ago. And um, I came home late at night at 10 o'clock and he said to me, what are you doing, son? I went, what do you mean? He goes, look at you. You're overweight. You look like shit. It's 10 o'clock at night. You're about to eat. Your wife and kids are asleep. You left the house before they woke up. You work like this six days a week. I mean, what is it all about? Is it just money, status? You know, what are you doing? Because take it from me, I'm a dying man. This is not the way to live. You mm. need to get your shit together. And I was like, whoa. But a tough I, love, I, a tough love we man. We don't need that today. Yeah. God bless him, man. I needed to hear mm. that. You know, and he's a straight talking Glaswegian. You know, that's a blue collar city here in the UK and Scotland. You know, it's very gritty. He used to work in the shipyards and, you know, you don't, there's no bullshit in Glasgow. You just say it as it is. Mm. <clears throat> and um, yeah, I, I, you know, the next day I quit the NHS. So I left that system. And rather than work extra hard in the private sector, I, I stopped. I, I only worked two and a half days a week. I thought I'm going to stop chasing the dream. 
Forget the big house. It's never going to come. Forget the fancy card and the credit and the holidays and the mistress. You know, I don't need all that. Got a beautiful wife and kids. Just work two and a half days a week. Stay out of debt. Live a good life. Lose my weight and everything and get my shit together. So my wife and I went on this journey. She's she's a doctor as well. She's 10 years younger than me. And um, she was overweight. She wasn't healthy. And we, we figured out how to get healthy. In a quick nutshell, it's your sleep. It's um, intermittent fasting. So we eat one meal a day, high protein, high fats, low carbohydrates, low processed food, minimal ultra processed, none, none basically. Exercise practically every day, lots of sunshine, sunshine, healthy outdoors, companionship, love. And you know what? You get everything's great. And, and you know, I, I shed a ton of weight, got rid of my diabetes, got rid of my hypertension. And I look 10 years younger. And it's quick comment. We, we, we're not going to get in. Well, I mean, we could today get into the health side of the diet side of this, but uh, we, we have not discussed off air my keto practices. My audience is aware of that. So it's interesting you talk about that. We should probably do an entire show about how important. Oh, yeah. Really interesting how, and don't forget, but pre-COVID, there was a huge pushback on Facebook against these keto communities. It was very strange. I quite frankly yeah. think that a healthy version of that is probably the best thing you can do as, as far as I can tell, but may, I'm not an expert. hundred percent keto, carnivore, whatever way you look at it. So I'm, I'm like keto carnivore, basically. You know, I'll have a little bit of carbohydrates, but not very much. Maybe like 15%, right. 10%. Like, like good you know. whole foods, fresh vegetables, fruits, that kind of stuff, right? Exactly. Perfect. It's it's really just a healthy Perfect. diet that turns out to be it turns out to just inadvertently be keto. You know, it's it's and and, and I'm glad you you know, you look healthy, you drop the weight. I mean, it's just this is so important in the world. We we tend to put these things off for the bigger discussions, but the personal responsibility, personal health, I mean it's paramount, man. So congratulations it, on that. Thanks, man. And the reason why it's relevant is because it comes to the whole COVID thing. So mm-hmm. I got my shit together. And the thing is, my wife and I, you know, we're both doctors. We're looking at each other and we're talking about what we've discovered. And we go, how come we weren't taught this in med school? Right. It's crazy. Like, like seriously, Brian, like you, you go through five years of med school, six years sometimes, depending on your course. We didn't get one lecture in sleep, one lecture in nutrition. Didn't get any, I'm talking about we got no, none. I almost none. can't find that. I find that almost impossible to believe. Like, I know that's true, but. <laughs> It's just that's um, and you. If you told that to an average person, they'd probably say you, you're missing something or you're not true. I mean, but I've heard this from many different people going through both becoming a doctor or or a physician's assistant. I I just think that's unbelievable, and it's such a perfect picture for what we're talking about today. It's just incredible. Please continue. Yeah, it's like saying it's like a rocket scientist saying when I went to rocket science school, they never taught me how to put a rocket together. <laughs> I mean, you, you're kind of like, well, what the. F- did they teach you there? <laughs> right. You know, so yeah, like what did they teach me? They taught me anatomy. They taught me physiology, like how the body they think it works. Then they told you what goes wrong, and then they told you the tablet to take. Mm-hmm. Right. So anyway, what this journey of discovery taught me was I can't trust what I was taught in med school and what my medical profession tells me because everywhere I look, they're telling us lies. And so mm-hmm. is the government and so is the media. Every single time they say low fat, low fat, I know they're lying through their back teeth. Every single time they say, oh, carbohydrate and meat is bad and red meat is bad and don't have salt. I know they're lying through their back teeth. And if this dumb orthopod could figure out this shit and is teaching his four-year-old kid this stuff, they could be teaching this to all the kids in kindergarten, all the adults, and sort of all the 
90% of the chronic health problems we see in the country save tons of money. And the only reason they can't be doing this isn't incompetence or because they don't know. Right. The only rational conclusion is they know all this and they choose not to tell us. And then the next question is, why are they not choosing to tell us? Mm-hmm. Well, the only inevitable conclusion is, well, have a look. Money talks. You know, statins are a one million, one trillion dollar industry. Right. The low fat food industry is a one trillion dollar industry. Vaccines are a one trillion dollar industry. Money talks. So they want us to get sick and dependent and go through the medical industrial complex and be dumbed down and stupid and vulnerable and dependent on the state. And that made me really question everything. So when COVID yeah. came around, back to your question, sorry for the long detour. No, that's important. It's important. <clears throat> yeah. Um, I was now out of all of mainstream medicine. I'm working privately as an orthopedic surgeon two days a week in a private hospital and suddenly lockdowns are happening. And I did fall for the fear porn. And there's a background story. I don't want to go into it too much, but I was involved in the Brexit campaign. I got a lot of abuse for that. Financially, I got hurt a lot. All the doctors stopped referring patients to me because they thought I was a racist. Yeah, figure, look at me. Um, but because I was EU skeptic and pro-Brexit, they were, I was labeled this, you know, you know, racist. So I got hurt badly being involved in the Brexit process. I was actually a member of a political party. I stood for the parliament and everything. Um, so by the time 2020 early came, I was depressed. I was vulnerable. I was, you know, not a good place. And then fucking COVID happened. And all I wanted was life to be back to normal. And it's like, oh, shit, man, we need lockdown, blah, blah. But, you know, honestly, I'm not going to lie. I did fall for it. Three, four weeks. But within two, three days of lockdown, I was like, hold on. This is bullshit. You know, they're telling everyone to stay in, ha- in their house, to wait until they're almost on death's door before going to hospital. And there's nothing that can be done. And I'm like, this is bullshit. You know, for years, I've been talking to people about early treatment and prevention is better than the cure. You know, get in there early. And I know the importance of sunshine. I know the importance of vitamin D and vitamin C and zinc. We could be giving this to people. I know the importance of losing weight and having a healthy diet and a keto diet. Why are we not telling? Why is McDonald's open, but your local farm shops are closed? This doesn't make sense. Right. You know, it's garbage. It's bullshit. And then, oh, there's no treatment. We need to get a vaccine out. I'm like, hold on. So drug development is, you know, a five to 10 year process for a reason. You know, there's a reason for this. And I've done a podcast with someone called Headley Reese, and we went into drug development and the processes involved. And they are really detailed and intricate and time consuming for a reason. Guess what? To protect people. Right. You cannot speed, fast speed this. And because when you cut corners, you're basically cutting critical safety steps right. we're not cutting bureaucracy and red tape no that's bullshit you are basically saying nah, you know what the safety step you know you know what effect is it going to have on pregnancy pregnant pregnancy and fertility and is, is it going to be cancers down the line yeah well, these are pesky studies we don't need to do that you know yeah, where well, does this well, thing go in the body we don't need to look into that you know well, one of the earliest examples that i think are really clear to people and and this isn't the most important i would argue but it was is early discussed was the the skipping or rapid you know essentially the skipping of the animal trials where that came out where that's where they would have discovered and i think they knew this the antibody dependent enhancement overlap the myocarditis point like all these different things that would have been clear there 
And that was yeah. the choice. And I, I make this joke throughout all of COVID, which is facetious. It's still horrible, but doing dangerous things for your safety was like this mantra. That's <laughs> when you really say it like that, it's like, well, that's stupid, you know, but that's what they really did. You know, it's, and it's incredible to me, but yeah, you nailed it. Right. I mean, it's exactly what was happening and the, the drive into it. So please continue. Yeah, so exactly. But like, you know, Ryan, you talked about antibody dependence and enhancement. No, no, you know what? Look, we didn't need animal studies. We didn't need any of that shit. Because like right. I was looking at the literature, I was Googling PubMed and what happened first time around with SARS-CoV and SARS, sorry, SARS, you know, and it was like a lot of studies had been doing vaccines and, and the conclusion was quite stark. It was like, hmm, um, we caution further studies in vaccines because the risk of antibody dependent enhancement. And they're talking about how animals were dying with the vaccines. It's all there from like Mm -hmm. 10 years ago. I don't, you know, like a lot of things people say to me now, you can't find stuff that was there early on. They've literally like erased the book burning has happened. They've been burning like the, the medical, you know, research papers. But I remember March, 2020 reading papers from like eight, 10 years ago saying, don't do this. This doesn't work. It causes mm-hmm. problems. You know, an antibody dependent enhancement is a real issue. And I was mentioning this to people and they're like, what the hell are you talking about? I was like, I'm telling you right now, they're going to bring in vaccines and they're going to say, this is the only way out. And this is bullshit. And this is exactly that what happened. So quick, let's do a quick little detour into medical ethics. Mm-hmm. So as a surgeon, I've, you know, I consent people, you know, I wouldn't be an ethical surgeon if I just said to people, right, you need an operation. Come on, let's go and start zipping them up, open them up. And, you know, you know, I need to get consent from them. So let's talk about one of the key pillars of medical ethics, informed consent. So, Ryan, you know, when you have a problem, right, you busted your shoulder, your ankle, whatever, you come and see me. My first job is to inform you of the diagnosis, to educate you about the issue and then empower you with choices so that instead of feeling like a vulnerable person and I don't know what's happening to me and I don't know I feel like I'm at the mercy of these horrible doctors you actually walk out of that clinic room going right I, I'm on top of this I know what the shit is I know what my options are I'm going to go think about it have a chat with the missus I'll come back to you in a few days time and I actually even offer, offer say, to my patients go get a second opinion right and that might sound crazy to some people but I say I, I say look it protects me and it protects you you know, if you don't trust me or if you've got doubts in your head, go see another doctor. Go have a chat with them, you know, and run it through with them. And once once you're 120% sure what you want to do, come back and speak to me. But if you have any questions. Yeah, right. Right. Yeah. So, <clears throat> so what it means is I inform you of the condition. I inform you of what your risks are of that condition. Um, if you don't do anything, what your risks are. If you have an intervention, what the risks are. I typically typically will give you a non-optive option, a lifestyle option, a do-nothing option, a tablet injection option, and maybe a surgical option. Mm-hmm. And with all these options, I say there are pros and cons. There are pros and cons of everything. I think, you know, it's very easy to see the cons of surgery. You get infection or nerve damage or whatever, but actually there are, there are cons of every decision you choose to make, including doing nothing. And I lay all that and I go, no pressure, no hard sell. These are your options. It's all going to be in a letter. Go away, digest it, take your time. There's no rush. Unless your foot's pointing 180 degrees the wrong way because you've been in a car accident, you know, there's no rush with a lot of things. Yeah. And then I'm not pressuring you and I'm not incentivizing you. I'm not giving you a burger if you choose one option over another. Mm-hmm. I'm not restricting your life in any way if you choose one option or another. I'm not 
being mean to you and condescending and rude and saying you're white supremacist or you're misogynist or you're racist for choosing one over the other. I will respect whatever decision you choose to make, including the option of, Doc, you know what? I'm just going to leave it and see how it pans out. I'm not going right. to do anything right now. See, that's a really that's, important, that's a really important yes. development right there where we saw – and it, it started like that. And I made this point throughout the, a lot of different processes where it's, you know, at first it's like, here, you'll get a burger. And next thing it's like, well, now you'll get your burger taken <laughs> away from you if you don't or back of the line. But then it becomes, well, you're killing grandma, right? We saw how that works, you know, yeah. and, and throughout this, and what we're discussing mm -hmm. right here is, is the obvious way that that I, dang it, I knew I was going to do that. I kind of lost the point. What were you just saying? Give me the point one more time you were just describing. So I informed. can get we were talking about informed consent and how no choice is an option. No, no decision. You're not choosing to do anything. Well, shoot, and I was going to make an excellent point there. My audience knows I do that far enough. But the, the, the obvious thing, though, is, the, is how you could it's clear that people get coerced into this using that kind of method. And I was going to bring this up. And if that point comes back to me, I'll make that point. But you're speaking of yeah. informed consent. And I think this is really important. This this was one of these documents you were you were pointing to first, my my discussion of it, calling out. MZ dog or whatever his name was for literally acting like antibody dependent enhancement was a conspiracy theory. Here's the actual yeah. study. And this is from <clears throat> December, 2020. And it, it, this is exactly what you're talking about. Both things. In fact, informed consent disclosure for specifically COVID injections. And here's what it found the specific and significant COVID-19 risk of antibody dependent enhancement should have been and should be prominently and independently disclosed to research subjects in vaccine trials, those being recruited for trials, and those who would eventually take the injection after approval. And it says, in order to meet the medical ethics standards of, comp of informed consent. So this was in the beginning where they found not maybe, not hypothetically, but that the risk of the injection causing antibody-dependent enhancement should they get COVID-19 afterward is significant and specific and should be told or we're not meeting informed consent and literally nothing happened. Like that was one of those moments for me where I was like, it was jarring. It was like, but dude, dude, that's just one. You've oh, nailed exactly. it. That's just one. So <clears throat> like informed consent, let me just break it down. Did anyone know that they were actually getting a gene therapy? No, right, <clears throat> because right. they were told, if you say this, you're a conspiracy theorist. Was anyone told, actually, this isn't really a vaccine? They've, they've changed the definition of vaccine to include this in there. So it's like, let's, the ultimate goal shifting, you know, let's move the goalposts. Oh, I mean, you can, let me, let me say this point before I forget. I knew I was going to say, okay. so when you're talking about the hospital discussion, right? The idea being that that big shift was where suddenly the hospitals argued, not just that they were coercing you with the right thing, but that they now suddenly said it's now because of our liability. I think that's an important <laughs> right. shift, right? That where they suddenly started acting like, well, no, I can't let you just walk away now. You've entered our doors. Now we're responsible, but that's not really the truth. There's all sorts it's of not. legalities and they know that. So sorry to interrupt. I just want to make sure that point came out. I, I hate when I do that, but that's such an important shift, isn't it? Where now you're not allowed to make your choices because we're responsible, but it, it, it turns you into, you know, you're just a, you're just an order follower now. You're not it's, making I mean, your choices anymore. Exactly. I mean, where, where does bodily autonomy go at going right. into this? So, right. I mean, that's, and that's another key medical ethics pillar. So, but informed, let's just focus sorry, on the right. informed consent for a little bit longer. So informed right. consent, it wasn't a vaccine. It wasn't gene therapy. Did they know, for example, the manufacturing process for the trial was different from the one that was rolled out to everyone else? The plasmas in there, the DNA contamination. Did anybody know about that? Did anybody know that the RNA isn't actually messenger RNA, but it's modified messenger RNA? It's mmRNA, 
did you did they were they told that by the way you know how it's going to stay in your arm for 10 minutes remember this garbage actually it's going to spread to the rest of your body and your ovaries your testes your brain cross your blood brain barrier going to your fetus were they told that were they mm-hmm. told how long the spike protein would be made for in your body were they told like it was there a variation in the amount of protein made what's the duration is there safe upper limit is there switch off button is there an antidote to the spike protein what are the long-term safety results were they told about the 34 pages of complications with thousands of adverse effects that they'd seen in the clinical trial well they taught told that the clinical trial was absolutely bullshit and actually it was they were talking about relative risk reduction not absolute risk right. reduction that like they weren't looking at the actual symptoms it was all pcr driven crap I mean, none of this, it was, it was not informed consent where they told that, by the way, you know, the, 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 the placebo group that, that was meant to be in this arm of the trial, that, that they were meant to be followed up for years to see if there was a difference between the two groups. They were all given the shot, making right. the whole study null and void. Was anyone told these multiple important factors? Because I, look, I, I bet your average person, your average Joe on the street or Jill, if you went up to them and said, hey, by the way, I've got this little needle syringe. I've got this like experimental thing in here. Um, it could potentially change your genetic code. It's got some DNA contaminants, E. coli, and some other stuff. And you know, we don't really know how it works long term. It's pretty new. I mean, we've been using this stuff in the last ten years, but they've all failed miserably. I mean, we're trying to work and make cancer drugs from this, but it, it, none of them have worked so far. But we want to put this in your arm. Is that okay? I don't think anyone would say. Yes. Mm-hmm. I think they would all say frack off. But that's not what they were told, was it? They were told it was safe and effective. They were told it's 90%, 95% effective. They were told it's totally safe. You know, big mm-hmm. government is telling you, take this. So do you see how powerful informed consent is? No one, no one on this planet of all the billions of shots given had informed consent. Make a short of that. Right. People need no, to hear that. Exactly. Right. I mean, it, so then good. the violations of medical ethics, no one, everyone has bodily autonomy, right? What happens to my body? No one has the right to decide except me. Mm-hmm. That went out the window. So the reason I was quiet during the whole lockdown period was I was stuck in my house in this garden, my, my tiny little garden with three young kids, right? I wasn't earning a penny. I was not getting anything from the government. I was not, I was, I'm self-employed. I was broke. My savings are going down, down, down. I'm stressing how we're going to pay the bills. And, um, and I'm, I'm, and I'm not working and I'm not on social media. I'm not on Twitter. I'm just on Instagram and I'm posting, trying to stay hopeful and positive and, you know, blah, blah. And I'm getting really down. I'm reading all these conspiratorial things and they're like, oh my God, it's like, this is like going to be mandates and they're going to be doing this and that. And I'm like reading this shit going, no, no. Okay. Right. For my mental health, I better switch off. I'm battling to save my marriage. My wife is in the system. She's a junior. She's believing everything the government's telling them. I'm like, no, 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 no. The government's a bunch of liars. The The pharma companies are evil. And she's like, no, you've got mental problems. You're, you're depressed. You're isolated. You're at home. You're not working anymore. You know, maybe you need to go see a psychiatrist. And I'm like, I, I'm I'm not mentally insane. You know, this is bad. Uh-huh. And so now this is having a problem with my marriage. She says, I'm going to take the shots when they come out. I'm like, no, 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 no. Um, and suddenly, you know, we, we, we are struggling in our, in our household. All right. I'm not going to, I'm not going to lie. It was tough. 
mean. Mm-hmm. And when you're fighting a battle, a rear guard action, you can't be on the offensive. Okay, you can't you can't win two fronts at the same time. So I I'm I'm fighting a battle at home right now. So um, in the end, I kind of lost. My wife took all the three shots and the boosters and everything. Mm-hmm. Um. I took one shot, and again, the reason was because she called me, you know, some names and said I was kind of like crazy. And to prove her, I wasn't some crazy anti-vaxxer. I said, look, I've had all the shots to date. You know, okay, God damn it, I'll take this stupid shot. And I went to the right. vaccine place, to, and I and I went there saying, look, what's in this, blah, blah, blah. And they're like, I was wearing a T-shirt at the time. And they're like, look, just give me your arm here. And I was like, yeah, but can, can you just answer a few of my questions? Yeah, sure. Rub it, bang, in my arm. I was like, whoa. Like, I, I, I thought you were going to answer them questions. I'm like, yeah, what is it you want to ask? That was, that was how it worked. And someone who's given consent over years and years, I, I was dumbstruck. Mm-hmm. Like, what the, the, I felt violated. I went to my car, and I sat in my car and cried. Now, when I was a little kid, like four or five, some, twice on two occasions, some people tried to molest me and felt me and touched me up. I remember it. Very distressing. This was worse than that. Because this was now inside me. I was totally violated. I could not get it out of me. And um, I was not given informed consent. And it made me freaking angry. Made Mm -hmm. me angry that I had no willpower to resist my wife and the pressure and the coercion that I was getting from my doctors and colleagues and hospitals and went and got one stupid shot. But I vowed I was never going to have any more and I was going to go on a mission to explain to people this is wrong. So anyway, I started talking, speaking up about it and telling everyone everywhere what my thoughts were. But it was when the mandates came, right? So now, you know, bodily autonomy, informed consent come together. Now the mandates are completely different. You can't, that is just so wrong. To mandate the state telling you you need to take the shot to work. And they were telling every employee who worked in the hospitals, private or public, every contractor, every. And they were saying initially, you know what it's like? They lie. They go frontline, frontline workers. No, 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 no. They wanted anybody. So if a, if a car parking attendant was in the hospital, they wanted them to get the shot. If there's someone in administration or logistics or whatever, cleaner, they were to get the shot. Every person, if someone came to change a signpost in the hospital, they had to get the shot. Anyone who physically entered a clinic, hospital, GP practice, had to get the shot. So you're talking about millions of people. And I was thinking, what the hell? Because if it's today this, tomorrow they'll say there's a climate emergency and you need to take a pill. You need to take this pill. You know, don't ask questions. It's safe and effective. Why are you asking questions about what's in it and what studies are done? We're telling, we're telling you it's safe and effective. You know, are you are you being a problem here? Right. Do you not do you not care about the greater good? You know, it's do you see very, what a, a slippery no, slope this is? Mm-hmm. Right, exactly. So, I was just going to say it's simple. What you're outlining there is such an obvious. You know, two things, really. The fact that, you know, the way that they lean on good natured people like your wife and, 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 and drive that to drive their people in their in their orbit to be forced into it. That's what I think was the majority of people in that little area right there. You know, and I, I see that, that whole outline we this will be used again. 
Parasite stress theory is something I've talked about a lot. These have been studies that have been done. All they need is the threat. Really, of a pathogen seems to be the primary goal, but you can see how yeah. it's it's very telling, even on that point, how you're seeing how all of those converge, how climate change increases pathogens, how war increases pathogens. It's everything's everywhere. linked. Yeah. Everything's linked. This is why I talk about everything on my Twitter space now about this, because it's all freaking linked. And if you don't break it down and explain all the, the, the spider web connections, then they get away with it. It's all on, bullshit. On that note, I'll, I'll be including all of your links for people to make, make sure you check out his website. You're frozen. saw the you have a lot of lot of great oh damn it man are you there can you hear i'm me? back damn i'm it. back i'm back i, I can just cut it that froze out for a while yeah yeah geez, you can keeps, keeps happening to me here fuck anyway so uh where, what was you, last you thing can edit you, you can oh, edit I it I'll, I'll cut it out what was the last thing i said i don't know I, I you were saying something check out his links check out his links here and then it went up you start showing oh, okay yeah, i was just going to show uh, use that as a segue to show your links and everything but i'll, I'll maybe i'll cut it right there the last thing we were though so i'm just going to say this so so let, let's get into the discussion of of the the, the moment of your choice ultimately. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the real decision so, when you were you know deciding so, to. Yeah, let ahead. me explain everything. So, go so ahead. basically, now I, I went very vocal when it came to the mandates. I went on the I went on news. I went on something called GB News. My face was plastered all over the internet and Facebook and everything. All the vi videos and I was fact checked. You know, look at this crazy orthopedic surgeon. What he's saying? I went on marches. I handed in a petition with half a million people saying we're not going to take this shot. And suddenly, the mandates were overturned, and I thought, great, I can live, go back to my quiet life. I don't. I'm not going to name names, but I'm not someone who wanted attention. Mm -hmm. I just wanted to work my two days a week, spend time with my family and my beautiful wife, and you know, my marriage is healed. I got her to wake up she turned around one day and said i'm awake now it's been two years she said i'm awake i'm never gonna have any more of these shots you know what i was coerced i was brainwashed and like you said good-natured people believed the state believed the authorities trusted right. them um and now you know what we need to tell everybody is never trust the state ever again never trust these authorities ever again because they do not have our interest at heart they're a bunch of liars and they're abusive so anyway, that's that. So now last year, December, exactly. It's an anniversary now. I went on Twitter for a change and I did a video and I said, you know, I'm seeing a lot of vaccine injuries, vaccine harms, and I don't mind calling them vaccines now. I was someone who didn't call them vaccines. Now I don't care about calling them mRNA vaccines because to be honest, I think the whole vaccine industry needs to have a microscope poured on over them and mm -hmm. the whole thing like either shut down or revisited and, you know, everything stopped because what I've looked into it so far, the whole shabam is one big fraud. Anyway, mm -hmm. so I spoke up and did this Wait, video. I, let, me, let, me, let me say one thing real quick on that, though. That's a really important statement because a lot of people agree and a lot of people would be outright angered by that. But I think what's important is to my to what I would argue in there is I agree, but that doesn't then mean <clears throat> like I would simply point out that I think if we as is the way I always say it. If what we understand about vaccine, vaccination technology is correct, that's a big if because I, I question everything we've been taught. But if that's the case, I would argue it's the intent behind it that's the problem and that there could yeah. be an avenue where these things could be done in a way that might help some people as long as it's up for you to decide for your family and your body. But even then, I question that, like you're saying. I don't trust right. where this information so, come from. So I just want to add that. Yeah, so what I would say is 
there's a podcast coming out with Roman Bristiniak, who did the book um, Dissolving Illusions. Mm. It's going to be out in a couple of weeks' time. Listen to that podcast of mine. And listen to the podcast I've already done with Aaron Siri and JJ Cooey. And what I would say is, you know, if you want to know about vaccines, there's so many questions I'll ask about vaccines. Okay. All the people who will think, oh, no, vaccines are great. The best thing since sliced bread and butter. You know, you know, what's what's in a vaccine? Give me five ingredients. What What's the 1986 Vaccine Injury Act all about? And why does it exist? Right. You know, why is the vaccine schedule increasing year by year? Why is it necessary? Why is there... Um, um, what's an adjuvant and why are adjuvants in vaccines? Why is aluminium in the body and mercury? Why did they put them in these vaccines? Is there normal physiological processes that need aluminium or mercury? Is there a way of detoxing your body naturally of these heavy metals? What harm do they do to your body? You know, why does a, a young fetus, you know, baby that's just come out and um, within hours need a hep B vaccine that's normally given to people who are like prostitutes and IV drug abusers? You know, I could go on with the questions. I've got lots of questions. Just what I would say is, look, it's all about choice. If you know the answers to all of these and you know there's no long-term studies and no proper placebo-controlled, you know, arm studies, all these um, products, and you're willing to take these products, good for you. Good luck to you. But I think anyone who's properly, fully informed and consented will be like, no, thanks. Pass. The choice is That's all I would say. Choice is everything. So coming back to my little video, I went back to operating. I came back after my operating list. One million people had seen this video. I was like, holy moly. Wow. And, you know, I had a small Twitter account, like a 900 followers or something, and like mm-hmm. a million views. And I'm like, what the frack just happened there? <laughs> um, within 12 hours, 24 hours, two of the big private hospitals I was working out of, their national medical directors emailed me saying, cease and desist, basically. Wow. Stop this. Take down this video, never ever post on this topic again, or we're going to have to revisit your practicing privileges. Practicing privileges is a contract between me and the hospital allowing me to work out at the hospital. I have all the obligations of an employee, but none of the protections. They're Hmm. privileges. I'm meant to work out there. And they said, stick to your scope of practice. Now, I thought that was very much like bullying. And I said, what do you mean scope of practice? My scope of practice, I'm a doctor first. Patient safety is my main concern more than fixing a bunion or an ankle fracture. And why do you want me to stop? What have I said that's wrong? No response. Just same response. Don't do this again. Well, I was like, well, I will take it from your lack of engagement and response to my questions, tacit approval to carry on. So I carried on tweeting. And you know what? Nasty habit. When someone tells me to stop doing something, I double down and do it even more. So I tweeted like a Tweety bird. And suddenly my my account got to 10,000, 20,000, 30,000. I'm like, what the hell? And I was like, clearly people are resonating with what I'm saying. Right. But I would keep getting emails from the, one of the medical directors. Oh, we've got more anonymous complaints. You're an anti-vaxxer. You're a conspiracy theorist. You, you're this, you're that. And, I, and we want a meeting with you. And I'd be like, well, what do you want to discuss in this meeting? What have I said that's wrong? What do you agree with? And again, guess what? Ryan, no one ever answered my questions. It just not. kept backwards and forwards, backwards and forwards. Anyway, eventually in May, they got me. I tripped up. I messed up. I did a tweet where I said, is Dylan Mulvaney a woman? All right. And I did a couple of other ones about, you know, gender identity, because this is all linked. Everything's linked. I said, look, this young Indian village girl identifies as a, a, a Viking, right? It's ridiculous. But the whole point is you can identify as anything you like. But that doesn't change reality. Mm-hmm. All right. Reality, truth, truth matters. That t-shirt, truth 
matters. A right. boy is a boy. If you got a dick, you're a boy, right? It, it's just, you can call yourself anything you like. Don't go in the girls' bathroom, right? It's just See, not this, right. This, this was one of the first re- the reasons I actually reached out to you was you know throughout the the kind of changing of discussions between COVID nineteen and even others in between that and now with Gaza, it's I, I've noticed that there's certain people out there who you know, and I, I like to believe I'm in this topic or in this category that, that choose to, you know, that you just go up to the truth that you don't, you're not left or right, or, you know, that you just acknowledge what you believe is right or the truth. It doesn't mean we're always correct. And I, you know, you were talking about the COVID stuff, you're calling out what's going on, you know, and, and the problem is that you've seen lines drawn between people that were all about, you know, COVID medical freedom, who now are igno- disregarding what you just said, which I mean, these are static, objective, biological realities. Yeah. And, you know, and yeah. yet, there, and now Gaza, same thing. And we could talk about that today if you'd like, or in the future. No, but no, let's do that another day. I agree. I agree. What shows me is that what you, what you're doing and other people in that realm are, you know, there's a unique category out there where they're not swayed by the pol- the political parties or the current news cycles. And I think that's important. I think that's growing. And that's why I wanted to talk to you in, in, in general. You know, I, I see that in you as well. And, and I, so it's, it's absolutely because Ryan, it's not your truth or my truth. Right. Crack that bullshit. It's the truth. Right, right. The sky's blue. Not right. my truth. The sky's blue. Freaking bullshit. So anyway, moving on. Over the course of this last year, I've been bullied and harassed by my hospitals. Bullied and harassed, culminating referral to my licensing board, and they turned around and said, "Oh, he's got a really good record. He's annoying thing is he's a really good surgeon, and patients right. love him, and staff love him, and his feedback's been amazing. We've got nothing on him. Sorry. Like, and then they even wrote." We understand your concerns. He is conspiratorial and he does go against the, uh, you know, government gar- narrative and, and, and the, you know, he's anti-vaxxer. But maybe maybe you can explore something in your local hospital protocols and policies. And immediately then they suspended me on this stupid technicality, which I disagree with. And they suspended me where I worked for 10 years. Then another hospital, because I posted a, a podcast with Ava Bartlett, getting her, you know, views on what it was like in the West Bank. Then they said we received an internal complaint, which I think was from a fellow Zionist um, surgeon who basically complained about me posting something on Instagram, the, the podcast episode. Um, and they said, we, you know, we are very, we're, we're disappointed and this might cause problems and trust in you. So we're going to wow. suspend you immediately and investigate you. And this is and based so basically on Gaza discussion, right? Yeah. Yeah. This is not Gaza. Wow. And, and, yeah, That's but look, wow. But the thing is, look, the thing is, so overnight, right, I found myself in, in the beginning of December, 95% of my income is gone. My patients are gone. And there's no point me trying to hold on to my 5% practice. You need to earn like 40, 50% to, to meet your overheads. There's a massive indemnity, your secretarial cost, your room hire cost. You know, without going into the details, you know, when I make, when you, when you see patients and you say you make 100 bucks, you don't keep the 100 bucks. 50 bucks is to pay everyone else. And then the other 50 bucks you have to pay tax on. And then you maybe take home 25, 30 bucks. That's how it works. So I got to a point where financially I was not viable. Like I was, you know, not making money. I was losing money and I've been canceled from these private hospitals. They don't want me working in there. They've kicked me out and no other hospital wants me. And I'm thinking, hold on one second. Last year, last December, I was this, you know, very, you know, well-renowned, you know, respected surgeon loved by everyone. And now a year later, I'm out of work and my 25-year career has ended. And what's happened in that one-year period? Well, I'll tell you what's happened. I have been very vocal on social media, on my Twitter account and my um, podcast about 
facts about how the COVID narrative was bullshit, how we didn't have a pandemic. It was a pandemic. How the military industrial complex and the and the med uh, and the medical industrial complex are ruining us and destroying our civilization. How we have this banking cabal that is at the you know root of all evil. How the climate scam is a scam and a way of impoverishing impoverishing us and empowering the elites and re- removing our freedoms and liberties. I've been exposing the big pharma lies and corruption. You know that's what's changed. Right. I'm still an excellent surgeon. I, I have no patient complaints. There's no patients who are upset with me. Who's upset with me? The government's upset with me. The right. media's upset with me. The vaccine industry's upset with me. Big pharma's upset with me. The regulatory boards are upset with me. The, my colleagues are upset with me. Why? Because I'm calling them out. I'm calling well, them out. Not really, though. Well, I mean, you, maybe in some regard, but I, ultimately what you're doing has nothing to do with your practice, as you just said. You're expressing your opinion on your own personal platforms. Like the, the time when that ever became a thing, like that was a very jarring thing in and of itself, where you suddenly saw businesses start saying, well, what you said on Twitter is going to cause you to, you know, you're going to lose your job. That is social credit. That's exactly what that is. It's just in a different Maybe We've name. got it. But, yeah. you know, we've got it already. We've had the social because, you know, you've got this DESG. Mm-hmm, right. Environment, social governance. And then underneath that, the DEI, diversity, equity, inclusion. And the thing is, all these all corporations are now are being told to, to follow this. And if they don't right. follow this, their ranking and ratings will drop and they won't get their loans and they won't get this and they won't get that. And who's driving that? It's the banks and the who and these international, you know, supranational bodies fracking pushing this forward and i'm telling you right now ryan you know i grew up in the 80s in scotland right i used to feed on your american hollywood movies i'd love them i was like in them you know like popcorn and cinema you know i don't want to be part of the soviet union and the big bad ruskies i wanted to be part of america watching chips and being in california and having a great time because that was freedom i think now in 2023 2024 we are in a worse place here in the West than ever in the Soviet Union. Because in the Soviet Union, you knew who the baddie was. You knew it was the state. You knew what you could say. You knew what you could not say. Mm, here serious. now, yeah. in the West, you don't know what you can say. Because mm. even in the private sector, in your private domain, you know nothing is now private. They scrutinize everything. And you could get into trouble over anything. And you're just tiptoeing around, not free to say anything, not free to speak your mind. And, you know, like most of my doctor colleagues, they're either buying into the bullshit narrative. I think about 80% of them do. But 20% of them know it's wrong. 20% of them know it's Ah, wrong, but are too scared to say anything. Because guess what? If they do, you get an Ahmed Malik number on you and you're out of a job and you can't pay for your mortgage and you've got three young kids and a wife to support and you're like what the hell am i going to do now yeah you know it's it's that contradiction right there that's the most confusing is that it's not necessarily that we don't know i mean it is that we don't know but it's that we're being told on one corner of their mouth you have the constitution you have freedom of speech you've got free right everything's there for you but then we bump against that wall with everything we do online so we don't really and so that's the confusing that's that's the the cognitive dissonance in a way like people just choose to check out it's the very kind of brave new world style of it where people just go you know what i'm confused i don't know what makes sense i can't trust them or them so i'm going to check out watch tv and go to walmart you know like that's that's kind of <laughs> where they drive people to do you know and i think that's the 100%. interesting part is our contradict our well I'm, I'm speaking from a very american perspective here but 
there's other same topics in other countries as well, UK and so on, but that you have your rights that they state are yours, but then actively undermine them with every single thing they do. You're right. That's far more insidious and, and dark than just an overarching negative entity that tells you what you can't say on the surface. But I would argue that there was an element of that in the Soviet Union too, but your point is well taken. I think we fail to acknowledge how dark and, and dangerous it really is today because of the yeah. stories we tell ourselves. It's it's fascinating and scary. hundred percent. Until that beast comes face to face with you, you know, you're just living in denial. You put your head down and you live this, you know, quite censored self-censored well and i re i think a lot of people are deeply unhappy because they know they can't speak the truth they oh, know yeah. they're living a lie you know so i am um, the one of the last days i was in clinic um a colleague of mine walked past my open door and said oh what are you doing here i was like um i'm here now because I, the other hospital kicked me out and he went yeah i heard about that sorry and then he, he talked about how he'd been on this holiday and he needed to lose weight. And I said, well, just, you know, dude, just, you know, eat less fast, you know. And he was like, no, it's not the food, it's the drink. And I was like, well, cut back the drink. And he went, well, what will be the point in living and living then? Mm. I was like, whoa, that's <laughs> like your wife, your kids. And yeah. he went, meh, like this. He went, meh. And I was like, what? And he was like, dude, I, I, I need to drink. And, you know, it's, it's the only fucking thing that gives me pleasure. I went, what about your work and your family? And they went, he goes, what do you do for pleasure? I went, spend time with my family, my kids, my wife. I love having sex with her. You know? mm -hmm. And he goes, yeah. I went, yeah, to sex. Are you kidding me? And he goes, I'd rather drink. Man. Now that is a man who's deeply unhappy. Mm -hmm. He's got the money. He's working six days a week. He's got the big flash car and the big flash house. And he's just been on a ridiculously expensive holiday in the Caribbean. He's not a happy man. Yeah, I think there's a lot of people like that who are not happy because they're not living the truth. And I'd rather be poor and free and true to myself than bullshitting and lying anymore. 100%. No way, man. Yeah. I th and I think this is kind of what we were touching on a moment ago, you know, is that that's the driving force right there is that you're generally seeking something and, you know, not you're entirely seeking something different than what they're seeking, you know, and it's not that they it's I think it's more so that that guy doesn't know what he needs to be seeking. He's that it's the mm -hmm. drink, you know, that's it's like whatever makes me that, that's exactly what we just discussed. It's the checkout moment. It's him going, well, I'm just going to keep going through the motions. I know I'm unhappy. And I know that makes me more unhappy, but at least makes me forget it for a moment. So we'll just keep going through this cycle. You know, it's it's the it's the panopticon that we're in stepping into the technocratic version of it right now. You know, it's it's it is really un but I would put to put a, a positive note on it. I do think at the very least that those people are now being driven by people's work like yourself and others to start asking these questions. Now, suddenly they do have something that they can go, oh. Okay, maybe I can consider this, you know, and it is uncomfortable to get there, but there's a positive po process that I believe has begun. So, hundred percent. So even kind of, what's oh, ahead, even what's happening to me, it, I, I'm like, I, I'll be honest with you, it's kind of scary, and I'm very nervous about it. But like my, you know, six year old daughter says, you can't be brave if you're not scared. Yep. So, you know, I am being brave because it is scary. You know, I, I didn't think a year ago, you know, I was planning to quit my 25 year surgical career and become a professional podcaster. That was not my that was not my 5-year plan or 1-year plan. That was not the case, right? So, you know, a few months I've got, you know, and then the savings come to an end and I'm screwed, kind of like it's nervous, it's, it's nerve-wracking, but it's also incredibly exciting. So, one of the things that I think is really important is like that guy we were just talking about, he doesn't actually know 
the alternative. He doesn't, right. a lot of these people don't know what's wrong. They don't know who to trust. They don't know what the problem is. They don't even know necessarily that something is wrong. Right. Never mind what it is that is wrong. And they have no idea then what the answers and solutions are. All right. So they're in the, they're in the wilderness, totally in the dark. And what you and I are doing, what I'm really hoping to do is through my podcast and, you know, what you're doing is look, these conversations, you know, you talked about, we, we don't, we don't create a product. I disagree with you. This is a product. We are creating content and information and educating and informing the masses. Remember what I said right at the beginning about informing my patient, educating them and then empowering them to make the right choices. That's what we're doing. We're going to be empowering them to make the right choices for themselves and their loved ones to stay fit and to stay healthy, which is the ultimate ex expression of freedom and liberty. You know, right. that's what we're doing now. And, and, you know, instead of me treating maybe a couple of hundred people a year and making them happy, if I can reach out and make several thousand people happy and healthier and freer, is that not a better job as a doctor? Am I not accomplishing what I went into med school with much more and a much bigger scale than what I thought I could do like a yeah. year ago? I think I am like, and every day I get messages. I get messages from people telling me how, you know, they're in Australia or Alberta or Utah, wherever, you know, I'm getting people from all walks of life saying, you know what? I felt alone. I felt so alone. You know what? I feel part of a community now, you know, I'm so, I'm so happy to hear what you've taught me. I, I, my life has turned around. I've, I've lost weight. I've, I've got off my drugs and my meds and I've, I'm exercising. I'm thank you for promoting all this information and having all these guests on. So we, both of us are providing a valuable service to the masses in some respect, quite altruistic because only a very small proportion of them ever pay us anything. We are, you know, just out there helping people. But we're creating content, which is a product, which is something that people can go back to and is a resource and a knowledge base and a record. You know, people will go back and say, look, you know what? There were people calling out this bullshit and the authorities knew about this and chose to ignore it. We, you know, we, we were doing an important job here. So, yes, I'm scared about the future a little bit, but I'm also very excited and hopeful. And, you know, I'm taking on. I'm taking this on and I'm going to manifest a much better future for myself. And I'm very hopeful and positive. Oh, good, man. That's exactly the, I mean, it just makes me happy to hear that, you know, and, but I would say we were, we briefly talked before we started about that discussion that you mentioned about products and so on. What I, what I actually was, what I felt was the point there was ultimately that I, I do agree that we have a product or a service, but more so that it's in most cases. And I, my, what we were discussing before we started was where people start from, like, I would argue that people can start with a lot of funding that can be or cannot be influenced. But what I was saying from our perspective is that it's true. It, it is ultimately altruistic. You know, you're doing this to make that service or product for somebody that, as you're saying, doesn't typically immediately have a return for that. It's because you believe in it. And then, and I, like I said, from the beginning, this is the, the, uh, uh, value for value, right? If you build it, they will come. If you build it, he will come kind of a concept. Mm. And I really believe that, you know? So mm. I, I do think this is the future of where this goes and whether in, in all forms of media, really. And I think that's what makes them so terrified is that they're rapidly, if not already lost control of that medium. So I'm, I'm inspired to hear that you're not just falling into, you know, so many other people in your position would just give up, right? But it, it speaks to your nature, you know, in my opinion, uh, that you're determined. Like you said before, they tell you to stop. You're going to do it twice as hard. 
you know, simpatico, man. I, I, it's exactly <laughs> how I feel. So thank you for being here, brother. Um, I'm, I have to rush off for the interview, but I, I really want to connect Fine. again and talk about any, a, a number of different things with you. So anything you want to leave us with today in regard to upcoming projects, things you want to shout out for people, your, your social media links? Yeah. Um, so, I mean, if you just visit my website, docmalik.com, it'll have all the links to my podcast. It'll show you how you can support and subscribe. Only 1% of my listeners actually support me. But, you know, if you can be part of that 1%, that'd be amazing and help me. Um, and then, you know, yeah, I mean, I, your podcast is coming out, I think, in about 10 days time. We had nice. a great chat. I can't wait for that to come out. And, you know, just support people like you and me you know don't don't feed the system don't feed the industrial complex don't buy the news from cable news and and buy their newspapers and listen to their garbage you know seek out and support the alternative media the people who are literally giving up everything to do the right thing and speak up and in terms of you know i don't know when your podcast this is going to come out i mean people talk about new year's resolutions I've never made a new year resolution and I've never kept one. I think, you know, yes, it's interesting. You know, people want to have a date and make a huge statement and big change. Like I'll tell you what works for me. Incremental gain, just shave one or 2% off everything. Optimize your sleep by, you know, half, go to, go to bed half an hour early. Do you know what? Cut back on the cigarettes by two or three a day. Cut back on the drink by maybe one or two. Slowly, slowly. Everything slowly, slowly. And you know what? Just get used to that for a few weeks and it becomes a new normal, new habit for you. Think about how these bastards have done things to us. They've, they've boiled us like frogs slowly. Two weeks to flatten the curve and then look where it led us to. Do the right. same in reverse for your health. Just slowly, every aspect of your life, just start doing things slowly. You know what? Instead of taking that elevator lift, walk up one flight of stairs. Yeah, right. simple things, little incremental gains. Don't tell anybody about your resolution. Don't tell anybody you're doing anything. Don't, you know, don't worry if you slip up one day and, oh, catastrophize, oh, there's no point. You know what? You'll have bad days and you have good days. Just do little incremental gains in every aspect of your life. And you know what? Slowly over the course of the year, you'll look amazing like me. No, I'm just joking. I mean, <laughs> it, you, you just, it'll be great. That's why I would say tell everybody. I agree, brother. And th thank you for, for joining me today and having this discussion. I think it's important and I think it'll inspire a lot of people. And as, as well to end, I think what we've said often on this show, exactly what you were discussing there is, you know, you can't solve every problem every day. You can't achieve everything in one moment, but as long as you, you know, you just, you have to be a little bit better than yesterday. And that's all that you need to strive yeah. for is like, look at what you did and you accomplished what you didn't and just strive to be a little bit better every day. Let's, you know, just be better in general. So thank you for joining me, brother. As always, everybody out there, question everything. Come to your own conclusions. Stay vigilant.